Let's pray together today and ask the Lord to be with us. Aren't you thankful to be in the church of the living God, the bride of Christ? Somebody say amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your blessings, God, and your goodness to us, the privilege we have to be in this class today. Lord, I pray your word would go forth with anointing and power today. In Jesus' name, anoint this class, anoint every hearer today. In Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you for it. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. We're continuing in our discipleship project, Hope for the Last Days. Let's say that, Hope for the Last Days. How many believe you're in the last days? Amen. And this, uh, this series is very, very important because we continue to focus on the promise of Jesus' return. And today we're going to look at the subject, staying ready. Everybody say, staying ready. <laughs> staying ready. Not getting ready, but staying ready. And there is a difference between getting ready and staying ready. Somebody say amen. How many want to get ready? How many want to stay ready? Amen. Uh, so I believe God is getting ready to return. I believe that uh, we're about to see the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. And I want to be ready. Our subject today uh, is found in Matthew chapter 15. And verse 13, now this is a portion of scripture that is Jesus closing the parable of the ten virgins. Five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And do you know why the five were wise? They were ready. That's the short answer. They were ready. They, how were they ready? Oil. How much oil? Did they have oil? Did all ten of them have oil? Yes, they all had oil. But some of them had oil and to spare. It's what the KJV says, right? Five of them ran out of oil. Five of them had oil and had oil to spare. I want to stay ready. It's not enough to get ready and have the oil. Now, the oil is a type of the Spirit. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning like that old song says. <laughs> Boy, tough crowd today. What would y'all have for breakfast? Was it biscuits and gravy today? No? Well, that's why you're upset. I noticed uh, Jesse doesn't have a full plate up here today. I'm not sure, sure what it was, but that's okay. Five wise had oil in despair. Five foolish, what happened to their oil? They ran out. And when the cry went forth, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Now the bridegroom hadn't come. It was just the cry to go, that he was coming. And I'm thankful for the preaching of the word that says the king is coming. And every service you sit in and you hear, behold, the bridegroom cometh. You need to get oil in your lamp. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Don't waste a Sunday. You got enough to accumulate six days of the week. You got all kind of inputs, all kind of voices. Paul talks about all kind of voices, and all of them are significant. You got to learn how to weed out the stuff that's not important. Amen. And uh, give God your, your undivided attention today because I want oil in my lamp, and I'm sure you do as well. Matthew 25, 13. Watch therefore, let's read it out loud together. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. 
Watch therefore, for you don't know the day nor the hour. Somebody say amen. Now, uh, this says for us to be watchful. Preparation is very important. Getting ready for the Lord's return is very important. But staying ready for the Lord's return is just as important. Preparation is important. You're going to hear a statement today in the process of this lesson uh, that those that their names are not found in the Lamb's book of life, uh, it's going to be detrimental if your name is not found in the Lamb's book of life. We also find in the Word where your name is blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. It's going to be bad if your name's blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Anybody know who the Lamb is? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. And uh, he's the Savior. He's the only Savior. There is no other way to God but through Jesus Christ. He that tries any other way is a thief and a robber. If you try any other way than Jesus, you're a thief and a robber. You're not getting in. Anybody hearing what I'm saying today? I'm glad I've been buried in the name of Jesus. Jesus has a book. I'm going to say it again. Jesus has a little book that he's writing names in. Now, when I was a kid, you didn't want to get your name on the board. Now they've got other systems. <laughs> I hear people talk about their kids are in daycare, and they say, well, you know, it's green or yellow or red. Don't get red. Is that right, Julie? Uh, you know, when I was in school, we didn't have uh, green, yellow, red. If you got your name on the board or the teacher sent you out in the hallway, you were in trouble. <laughs> you went from normal day to nuclear disaster in a matter of a few seconds. <laughs> time out. I wish we'd have had time out when I was in school. I'd have done anything to get in time out. Maybe that, well, let's not start that business. <laughs> let's not tell what the preacher would have done to get in time out. But I will say this, you want your name in Jesus' book. Well, the Bible says, he whose name's not found in the Lamb's book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. Now, that's a bad deal. You want your name in Jesus' book. And you don't want him erasing it halfway through. <laughs> you... Well, all right. Everybody good today? Turn to your neighbor and tell them that's better than biscuits and gravy right there. Come on now. What this, what this is saying to us, watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour. What this is saying is not so much about preparation. We need to be prepared. But this is talking about readiness. Everybody say readiness. Stay, stay, uh, thank you, Brother Homer, for bringing all that to us. We appreciate you going and bringing the delivery, man. <laughs> Homer's going to McDonald's and getting y'all mochas if you want. Just let him have your order. <laughs> Amen. I'm distracted by everything today. You better not wait and uh, scratch your ear. I'll think you're wanting to add something to the class today. <laughs> I want to be ready. Somebody say ready. Preparation is very important. Be a born again of the water and the spirit. The kingdom is inclusive, but it is also exclusive. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. 
Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what nation you're from, what your last name is, what race you're a part, doesn't matter. Whosoever will, let him come. Aren't you thankful that the inclusive call of Jesus Christ is to everybody? But don't ever forget, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit or you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I want to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Somebody say amen. And I'm thankful I was born again. You know, yesterday I was in Cracker Barrel and I had on a shock. I know this is going to surprise you and I, I didn't want to wear it, but all my family made me wear it. But I had an LSU hoodie on. Ain't nothing wrong with that, is it? That's right. At least we got two believers here anyway. I had a purple and gold LSU hoodie on, and I was walking through Cracker Barrel, and I heard somebody way over to my right say, Go Tigers! Buddy, I turned around, there's a couple sitting over there, and I was walking back to the table, and I sat down and finished my meal, and then got up to go uh, pay the bill, and I walked over and, and said, Are you folks from Louisiana? And the lady said, Oh, I was raised down in Walker which is down around Baton Rouge, and, and my husband wasn't. His name's Hal, but my mom calls him Hal. <laughs> Only Louisiana folks can turn a one-syllable word into four syllables. Hal. Mom, I said, well, are you Tiger fans? Oh, yeah, we, we watched the game. We're, we're going to watch the parade today, and we saw your sweatshirt, and yada, yada, yada. I said, Really? And they said, well, where do you live? I said, I live over in Salem, Illinois. Well, what do you do in Salem, Illinois? I said, well, I pastor a church over there. I've been there 29 years. And, boy, she, her eyes got wide. She said, well, we pastor also. I said, well, where are you pastor? We, we're right here in O'Fallon, Grace Church. I said, Grace Church, yeah. They introduced themselves, Pastor Hal and his wife. And, and he said, what kind of church is it? I said, it's an apostolic Pentecostal church. He, he said, no way. I said, yeah, way. He said, you know, in 1971, I got saved, and you know how I got saved? I said, no. I said, tell me. He said, some fellas invited me to church, and he said, I went to a little Pentecostal church, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. I said, you got saved. Right there in the middle of Cracker Barrel. I mean, there was, uh, I thought everybody in there was heathens. But there was somebody saved right there. You, you never know, folks. You just don't ever know what so, how, how somebody's, uh, their experience in God, what, what God's done for them. Anybody hear what I'm saying? And uh, so uh, uh, we began to talk a little while, you know, and it's one thing. I, I, I told him, I said, he said 71 before you were ever born. I said, oh, try again. <laughs> I said, in fact, 76 is when I got saved. So we relived the 70s for a minute, the good years. Everybody okay? Well, I'm not going to finish this lesson today. I can tell right now. I said, I got saved in 76, baptized in Jesus' name. I told him about the Holy Ghost coming on me. And uh, we had a good time standing there in Cracker Barrel. And uh, I want to stay ready, though. And the point to that was, I don't want to just go back to 71 or 76. And this, is, this happens in Pentecostal circles. We circle a date where we got saved. And we're not near as concerned about staying saved as we are as getting saved. Uh-oh, come on now. I want to stay ready. 
Every day I want to stay ready. I don't want to just go back and say, well, I talked in tongues on this day. I want to stay full of the Holy Ghost. I want to keep the oil burning in my lamp. Watch, Jesus said. You got to keep watching. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, keep watching. Staying ready is the, the important thing in the variety of these texts. We read Matthew 25, 13. Look at Matthew 24, 36. But the, of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but on my Father only. Verse 20, uh, chapter 24, verse 44. Therefore, uh, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Somebody say amen. First uh, Thessalonians 5 and 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Amen. Watchfulness is the theme of the entire New Testament, being watchful. This is why I'm in church today. But you know, all week you can get your mind on certain things and get your eyes focused on things you shouldn't be focused on. Not, not bad things, neutral things. Not, not unworthy things, just neutral things. Not clean or unclean, just, just neutral. Uh, they're not bad nor good. And we can get uh, our eyes on those things all week long. And, and coming to church is so important to, to stay watchful. To lift my eyes, to say, Lord, lift my eyes above the things that are temporal today. I got stuff to do on my house, got stuff to do in my yard, got, well, that'll have to wait. Got stuff to do inside the house, got stuff to do all, 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 how many's got stuff you got to do? And if you're not careful, we we focus on things that are uh, not eternal. Somebody say Amen. And so this is why being in the house of the Lord is very important. Uh, The writer said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the custom of some may be, uh, but gather together so much more as you see the day, and he's talking about the day of the Lord, as you see the day approaching. I believe the day of the Lord is approaching. Now, watchfulness is the theme of the entire New Testament. I want to read uh, 2 Peter 3. Four uh, verses there, verse 10 through 14. Uh, It's not going to be on the screen, but listen very closely. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Talk about global warming. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall be on fire, shall be heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness, wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. There's an admonition from Peter. He says, look, the day of the Lord is coming. Be watchful, and since you're looking for a better world, keep yourself spotless and blameless. Somebody say amen. Jesus, Paul, John and Peter all describe Jesus' return as coming as a thief in the night. In each case, the focus is on the surprise element. It's that it's going to be a surprise. Now, 
Uh, I didn't get it done. I had some other things to finish today, and then I got to talking and ran out of time. But I was going to stop by Walmart this morning and get one of those emergency air horns that you put in your boat. And somewhere during this lesson, somebody up from above the, the walk around here was going to give us a good blast. And I was looking forward to seeing what it would do. I would know when it was going to happen. There would be a specific point in my notes that I knew it was about to occur. And I'd, I'd be ready. I'd just be watching for your response. Chances are when you'd get that air horn blast, you'd probably, uh, somebody might get shot. <laughs> Uh-oh. Only in America, United States of America for that matter. Everybody okay? You know, that's the thing about a surprise. When you go shoot guns or whatever, when you pull the trigger and that blast, you're ready for it. You know, you sneak up behind somebody and do that. Uh, you give somebody a heart attack. That reminds me of another story. But, you know, <laughs> better stay off that. At my age, don't slip up behind me and fire off around. If I know it's coming, I'll be prepared. Folks, I'm telling you now, Jesus is coming. Don't let it be a surprise. Oh, I got to get ready. No, he's coming. Get ready. It could happen any moment. Stay ready. I got a chance to hear the word today. I want to receive it with meekness. I got a chance to worship today. When the singers start singing, I've got a chance to worship today. I've got a chance to pray today, to make some things right with God today. Anybody glad you're in church? Oh, give the Lord a good hand clap today. Amen. It's coming as a thief. It's going to be a surprise. Uh, it is common in the epistles to find that discussions of the coming of the Lord linked to encouragement, and this is in your notes if you have a Sunday school book, be sure and, and feel these in, to, an encouragement to live in a way that honors Him, and that's God, live in a way that honors Him. Every day, live in a way that honors God. Peter developed that theme, urging his, reader, his readers to holy conduct, Godliness and diligence in the pursuit of peace and purity. And we find that in 2 Peter 3, verse 11. Look at this. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner or kind of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Everything we seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. Think about it. Everything today you see is going to be dissolved. Think about everything that's so important, the things you want to purchase or have purchased and are now giving you grief. Think about the stuff that has most of your attention. Everything you see will be dissolved. And seeing that all of this is going to be gone. What kind of person ought we to be? That's a question we ought to answer. 
What kind of person ought we to be if we see these things are going to be dissolved? Now, here in the Western world over the past two centuries, we've rejected uh, uh, mostly the belief that there is a divine purpose for life. And we could go into how we know that's happened and the sanctity of life and how every life has a purpose. Uh, most people live, hey, you've only got 65, 70, 80 years. You might as well live it to the hilt. Hello? Even in the nursing home, they're wanting to live it to the hilt. <laughs> Listen, live to the fullest, grab all you can grab on the way, and if this life was all there is, if death was the end, then we have a legitimate right to eat, drink, and be merry. I want to tell you, if Jesus Christ is not coming back again, what is there to look forward to? Maybe that's why we live in a world of misery. Paul said if you had hope in this life only, you'd be miserable. Maybe that's why we live in a miserable world, but there's no misery in here today because we know Jesus is coming back. I said we know Jesus is coming back. Oh, anybody glad to hear that good news? Somebody say amen. We live in a hedonistic society. Their minds are on evil continually. And maybe it's because we're just going, we've got one life to live. Let's just live it 100 miles an hour. Let's just, let's just get everything we can get while we're here. But I want to tell you, Jesus is coming back. And the writer Peter said, since these things will be dissolved, this is, not the real, this is not reality. There's a real world coming. There's real life to gain. Life more abundantly. He said, what manner of persons ought we to be? Now, holy conduct. This holiness is a word that some people are afraid of nowadays. But he calls us to be holy. Get an amen? Calls us to be holy. I shouldn't be ashamed to have a godly lifestyle. Uh, I don't care if uh, even religious people say, well, they're just trying to do this or they're trying to be holier than thou or saved by works, you know. Uh, no, I want to be godly and righteous because he who called me is holy. I want to be holy. Somebody say amen. Holy conduct has to do with a lifestyle, how I live my life. It's not just internal. It's how I live my life. Somebody say amen. Reminds me of a story. <laughs> I was driving down to New Orleans yesterday and uh, uh, went through Baton Rouge and started out on the, uh, on the east side of Baton Rouge, and there's a huge landfill right off the interstate. And the wind was coming out of the southeast. <laughs> I want to tell you what. You better have your air conditioner on recyclable air. Turn on the recycled portion of because I'm telling you, it, it was horrible. Yeah, really bad. Amen. And uh, I won't tell you what I thought was happening. <laughs> Everybody okay? <laughs> roll down the window. No, don't roll down the window. It's out there. <laughs> Everybody all right? Good thing we're in adult class. You wouldn't talk about this stuff with the kids in here. 
I'm telling you, we drove by there, and they had, you know, they were they had bulldozers in there pushing stuff around, and then they had a place that they'd cover up with these pipes coming out and that methane gas coming out, and they had a little igniter there trying to burn that methane gas. Boy, I'm telling you, it stunk to the high heavens. I, I thought about, man, I, I was looked over to the, the north side of the interstate, I-10, one of the best things to come out of Louisiana, I-10. <laughs> I looked over there on the north side, and there's all these houses. And my first thought was, man, I'd hate to live there. All that south wind blowing and that smell all the time. Everybody okay? Yeah. I thought, man, it'd be, it'd be terrible to live there. Of course, you know, down in south Louisiana, that's about all you get is a south wind. And, and uh, they probably they've got used to it, like living by the railroad tracks. Uh, I guess you would get used to it. I guess... The analogy I'm trying to make is some people think holiness is a bad thing uh, while they're living in the dump heap. They gripe at me about wanting to live godly and righteousness and righteously and keep my life pure while they're living in the dump. And they say, I don't smell nothing. There's nothing wrong with this. And they don't know what they're eating and they don't know what's got on them. Are you hearing, man? It reminded me of a story. I thought it was a pretty good one. The old prodigal son comes back home, and he, he's, he's in the pig filth. How do you live in that? How do you live in that? How do you exist in that? And God's called us to holiness and righteousness, to live spotless lives. Well, I'm not perfect. Yeah, but that doesn't give me a reason not to reach for spotless living. Well, I've made mistakes. Yeah, get up. <laughs> Uh, praise God, man! I, I'm goodness. I feel good today because I know the Lord's coming, and I want to be blameless. I, I don't want to live in the dump and say, "Well, you know, I believe in Jesus, and He's going to save me one of these days." No, I want to live a life of holiness, holy conduct. <laughs> Amen. He brought me out of darkness into marvelous light. I want to live in the light. I don't want to live in the pigsty spiritually. Now, I'm going to leave this for you because I'm, I'm not going to take the time to read it. I could, but I'm going to bank on you doing it. The book of 1 Peter, the first four chapters. If you want to know what holiness is, read 1 Peter chapters 1 through 4. There's a lot of good things in there. starts out how you ought to live, starts out, and then it goes into women and men and wives and husbands. Uh-oh. That has to do with holiness. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? And then 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, if we, we've got four chapters on what holiness is, we've got a, a portion of Scripture that tells us what holiness is not. Anybody want to know what holiness is not? Well, that was emphatic. <laughs> Boy, you rose the, raised the roof with that response. Anybody want to know what's not holiness? Now, 2 Peter 2, 10 through 19 in the New Living Translation. He is especially hard on those who follow after their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. These people are proud, arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. But angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those... 
Somebody say amen. Supernatural beings. Thus, these false teachers are like unthinkable animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. Listen to that. Listen to that. Peter didn't say all the darkness and all the bad stuff was going on outside. He said they even come in and eat with you. I know what you're thinking. I hope that doesn't remind him of a story. It's a fact. They bring their disgrace and their stain among you. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception even as they eat with you. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin and they are well trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. These people are as useless as dried up springs and as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with with empty foolish boastings With an appeal to twisted sexual desire, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. Well, there's a good list of what is not holiness. I want to stay saved. (laughs) Somebody say amen. This is very important to look to. Believers should be looking for the day of God. We should be looking for it. We should be looking for it. Looking for it. 2 Peter 3 and 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall be on fire and shall be destroyed. Since the rapture of the church must occur before the day of God, which is the day of judgment, this would indicate there's something believers can do. Look, listen now. This, I'm going to pause here. I'm going to slow down like I'm going real fast. I'm going to slow down here. If the, if the Bible says we ought to look and hasten to the coming of the uh, day of the Lord, and the rapture of the church is before the day of God, we know that. The, ra- the church is caught out. We know that. Uh, Paul tells us that. So that day of judgment that's coming upon the world, the church is caught out. We should be looking to that and hasting to the coming of the day of God. If that's the case, then we ought to be doing something. If the day of judgment is coming and Peter says we should be looking for and hasting unto, we ought to be doing something as believers. And you know what we ought to be doing? Romans eleven twenty five. For I would not, uh, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Did you hear that? Everybody hear that? Well, Brother Gene, what does that have to do with anything? Listen, if the church is going to be raptured up, and Peter says, let's hasten unto the coming of the day of God. 
Paul tells us that blindness, partial blindness has happened to Israel until God gets done with the Gentiles. So if we're heading to the coming judgment, what can every believer do to not only watch and look for, but hasten to the day of God? Friend, we ought to be reaching every Gentile we can reach. We ought to be witnessing to every Gentile we can reach to. Paul says, hey, the door to the Gentiles is open. You ought to get after it. And if we're looking for the coming of the Lord, let's get after it. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. I don't believe the church is full enough. I said, I don't believe we have a big enough parking lot. Come on now, I'm not talking about getting ready. I'm talking about staying ready. That means we ought to be preaching the gospel everywhere we go. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hastening unto the day of God. I think it's very important. I think anything we can do to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles, I think that would go a long way in what is called looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. I want to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. I want the gospel preached in every nation. I know, and I know there's a lot more. Listen, uh, $56,000 plus given to missions last year. There's churches all over this state, almost 200 churches in this state. And this little one right here in little old Salem, that fellow yesterday, Pastor Howell, said, how big is Salem? I said, Salem's 8,000 people. He said, is that all? I said, that's right. Listen, God just don't want to have a church in Chicago. He wants a church in Salem. He's not willing that any should perish. Well, right here in this little agricultural, you know, couple of factory city, $56,000 went out to missions last year. I thank God for that. I said, I thank God for that. Listen, what can we do to bring about the coming of the Lord? We can preach the gospel to the Gentile world. That's what we can do. Somebody say amen. Well, there's enough of that. <laughs> More uh, energetic fulfillment of the Great Commission would go a long way. I guess that's what I just said, really. Uh, us being energetic about the Great Commission may result in hastening the rapture of the church. Amen. When the gospel's preached in all the world, then the end shall come. Let's hasten. <laughs> Look for and hasten unto the day of the, uh, the coming of the day of God. I think the Great Commission fulfilling that would help us hasten in the rapture of the church. Romans 8, 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing by, uh, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. I thank God that day's coming. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Now, I, I don't want to get into eschatology real deep, but there will be a difference between the present earth and heaven during the millennial and the new earth and the new heaven. I believe that. I believe after a thousand, it's going to be radically different because Satan will be bound. Nobody's ever experienced that. In that thousand years of peace, when Satan is bound, it's going to, it's going to be a different day than it is right now. <laughs> Listen, and that, 
And, and when you think, well, what, who's, who's going to be there? What, what's, well, I'm not sure about all, but I do know this, that the Bible says we will reign with him as kings and priests. That means the church that's caught out of here in the millennial reign, we're going to be reigning with him as a king and a priest. Listen, you can't live like a private and somebody that went AWOL. No. You can't be a king then when you live like you went AWOL now. I'm not sure why I even got to go to church. Well, I want to tell you why. He's teaching you how to be a king, and he's teaching you how to be a priest. Because in that day, yeah, think about it. Who here is going to be the king of Salem then? Not Melchizedek. Might be Homer. <laughs> I hear some of you saying, I'm moving out if Homer's the king of Salem. I'm teasing. No, he's got a political stump. He's getting on his, he's going to give uh, McDonald's mochas for everybody every morning if he's king of Salem. I, I'm teasing. I know this, that after that thousand years, there'll be a great white throne judgment, and those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life are cast in the lake of fire. It's going to happen. Then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, hello. <laughs> wow. Man, I'm pumped about it. <laughs> a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness exists forever and forever. Sin will be vanquished forever. Listen, there'll be no more abuse, no more poverty, no more pain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No more death? Man, what a day that's going to be. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. What a day that's going to be. Amen. Man, I'm wound up. The certainty of the second coming should, be, should provoke specific responses in the believers. This is in your notes. Listen, number one, we should pursue a spotless and blameless life. This is why we're in church today. Lord, created me a clean heart. Well, I'm not perfect. Yeah, but don't throw down your, you know, don't, don't say, well, I'm just, I've tried and I failed. I'm not, no. The righteous man is the one that keeps getting up. <laughs> When we think righteousness, we think blameless. Well, they're perfect. They don't ever do anything wrong. But the Bible names a righteous man is the one that just keeps getting up. <laughs> Doesn't that give you hope today? Turn to your neighbor and tell him you can be a righteous person. You can be righteous. You are righteous. <laughs> Secondly, be diligent. Everybody say diligent. Be diligent. Stay with it. Be faithful, folks. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, there's a few projects I start, and you know, I got a lot of fire to start them. I don't have a lot of fire to finish them. In fact, if you get in my library and you look at any of my books, it, it's very possible that halfway through the book it's dog-eared or there's a piece of paper because I get about half to, I'm going to read this book. Well, yeah, about two days of that, I've had enough of that. I got a book on General Grant, Ulysses S. Grant. It's about that book, about book, about that book, about that big, about a thousand pages. Uh, yeah, I got it dog-eared. About that way, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I've got him raised now. He's a grown man. I don't know what happened after that. I start a lot of projects that way. Oh man, I'm gonna get this done. I, I've got uh, cement blocks behind my house. I was gonna lay a patio two summers ago. Uh, they're still standing there like a silent testimony. They sound like Lot's wife to me. 
Every time I go outside, they salt pillar. Lot's wife preaching to me. Every time I get in my truck, I see that statue standing there, and it says, you didn't get that done. Anybody got any projects like that? You, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very important, diligent and faithfulness. Listen, I know, I know. well, you make up your mind. I'm going to start going to church every Sunday. I want to tell you about a month of that. You start thinking, what did I get myself into? But you know what faithfulness means even when I don't feel like it? I'm just going to keep on. Well, I'm going to volunteer to bring kids to church every Sunday. Well, I want to tell you about two weeks of that, and, and you're going to have to have faith to keep doing that because it's going to get tough. Well, I'm going to teach a Sunday school class. Listen, the Bible tells us we ought to be faithful and diligent. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Somebody say amen. Wow. In the New Living Translation, it says, So, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. That's 2 Peter 3.14. While you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Somebody say amen. I want to ask you a very important question. Are you where you should be in your relationship with the Lord today? Because He's coming back. We can always acknowledge we could do better. But when you think about Jesus' return, are you at peace today? And if you're not, you're in the right place. I say, if you're not, you're in the right place. And this is the right time, right now. You can say, Lord, wash my heart clean. I, I don't want to live in rebellion to you. I want to submit to you and love you with all my heart. Somebody say amen. I was uh, reminded of... Uh, Chelsea, of course, uh, she's finished a lot of schooling, thank God, and she got all that. I remember just a few weeks ago, well, this is almost the end of January. It's been almost a couple of months ago now. She was at home, and she got something in the mail. It's a big, long tube, and she opened it up and pulled it out, and there's her, her, her uh, diploma, uh, Dr. Chelsea Jean. She started bawling and crying. I said, what's the matter, honey? This is exciting. She said, yeah, but that was a lot of work in this piece of paper. You know, when you, when you start school at various levels, you know, when you're in grade school, you know, you, there's some responsibilities and requirements. But when you get in high school, you start having to write papers. Man, I hated that. <laughs> Book reports. How many have book reports? Your kids in this school have book reports. You parents are writing book reports. Tell me what the book's about. I don't know how they do it, but those teachers can tell whether your little Johnny read that book or not. <laughs> yeah. Book reports. Then you go to book reviews, and then by the time you reach college, students will be writing more lengthy what they call term papers. Term papers. A thorn in your side. Can I get an amen? I got an amen. <laughs> in graduate school, a thesis will probably be required as a final project before a student's granted a degree. And then last but not least, a dissertation. 
a dissertation. This drove Chelsea crazy and me twice as crazy. Because in a dissertation, you're required, uh, you're, you're required to conclude a, a doctoral degree. You're required to do a dissertation. And then you must defend. You've got to write basically a book. And then you defend your dissertation before a team of professors, doctors, scholars. And those who have not had this experience sometimes call a dissertation the big paper. The big paper, because you could publish it as a book. Chelsea did her dissertation on, on the environment of a preacher's kid, what, how a, a being a preacher's child affects a child, and it was quite impressive. It's much more than a gigantic book report or a book review or even a term paper or even, for your little Johnny, a book report. It is The thing about her dissertation, you can't just copy it from other folks and paste stuff. It's expected not only to demonstrate that you know the specific field of study that you are studying, but also to contribute original knowledge. In other words, you've got to add something to the field that you're studying. You can't just copy somebody else's work. To do that, you're, you're standing before a group of professors. How are you going to offer something new the fellas that's been even teaching in that field for 30 and 40 years. They've seen a lot of things come and go, right? So a lot of times when you do a dissertation, they, they'll send you out of the room. When you, when you defend your dissertation, they've looked at it, they've read it, they've, they've dissected it. When you defend it, they'll send you out of the room, and then uh, after a matter of time, they'll come back and say, you have these edits. We need you to re-edit this. We need to work on this. This is not original. This is, uh, you need to redo this, redo that. A lot of people have just as much work. <laughs> so I happened to be at Wheaton in Chicago when Chelsea was to defend her dissertation. She was nervous. She went in, defended her dissertation, came out, and she's waiting, and we're all waiting. And uh, after a little while, one of the professors in the, in the team of scholars that she had defended before came out, and she had a folded piece of paper. She said, Chelsea, you did a great job, and this and that, and hugged her and said, uh, it's been great to have you as a student, and this and that. And she said, I've got on this paper all your edits for your dissertation. She turned that paper around and opened it up, and it was completely blank. Chelsea just about fell right in the floor. Well, you know, she didn't fall, but, you know, just, just a sense of relief. And she began to, she was so excited. We were excited. That meant all the work was done. Listen, the analogy compares to the idea of the Lord's return in a perfect measure. Listen, when I stand before Him... <laughs> I want him to open up the book and say, yep, his name's here. Everything's all right. There's no mark against him. <laughs> now, now, amen. That's going to be the day. Now, rest assured, I, some of us may be in grade school and we're doing book reports. And, and yes, we, we may be uh, going to do a book review. And maybe we've gotten to the point where we're entering college and we're now doing term papers. But the fact of the matter is, we all start with the milk and we got to make some good grades with the milk because we're going to the meteor matters. We're going to stand before him one day and I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Oh, anybody want to be ready when Jesus comes back? <laughs> then live like you're ready every day. Oh, let's stand together right now and let's pray, amen, that the Lord would help us today in our main service and in this class. If you're here today and you're not ready, this is a good place to get ready. Somebody say amen. I want you to reach over and connect with somebody. If you're standing beside a friend, amen. Come on, when the Lord comes back, He's going to be looking for those that's been faithful. I want you to pray one for another right now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time together in this class. Lord, help us to stay ready. Oh, in the name of Jesus, anybody here has lost their way? Lord, they're in the right place today. Lord, anybody here need to make their calling and election sure today? They're in the right place this morning. Help us to stay ready, God. I pray for every saint of God. Help them not to get distracted in this last hour. Help us to be reaching the lost, Lord, to hasten the coming of the day of God. I pray, Lord, for every young person. Help them not to be weary, Lord, in serving you. Help them to, Lord, love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Touch our families, God. Touch every man in here. Touch the backslider today, Lord. Renew their fire, Lord. Renew their spirit, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. And everybody say in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, stay ready. Jesus is coming. Amen. God bless you. We're going to transition to our worship service. Thank you for being in Sunday school today. Prepare your hearts for the Lord's return. He's coming soon.